A useful philosophy contains more than a collection of words. The words must be made flesh. They must be lived. They must be embodied, felt, and experienced. Today, then, I'll pick up from where I left off with the Four Noble Truths, which provides the conceptual framework for the Buddha's life philosophy. And then once we've refreshed ourselves a bit, I'll move into the Noble Eightfold Path, which asks us to live this understanding. All right, let's quickly recap what we learned. First, it's important to remember that the Four Noble Truths hold the intention underlying the Buddha's entire philosophy. That intention being to understand and alleviate the suffering in the world. Without understanding this aim, we can't get very far since it holds the entire framework in place. So, keeping this in mind, the Buddha then opens our eyes, hearts, and ears to four important things about our precious human experience. Truths not to be accepted dogmatically, but to be examined and understood directly for ourselves. They are one, the truth of suffering or dis ease, two, the cause of this dis ease, three, the possibility of alleviating the cause of this dis ease, and four, a path or practice that leads away from dis-ease. In the last episode, we explored the first three of these truths in depth. And though I provided some practical ways to explore these truths in our own lives, it was largely a conceptual exploration. But as I've said, a conceptual framework alone is not enough. Philosophy isn't a dry, intellectual pursuit. It is a love and passion for wisdom. It asks us to live our understanding. That brings us to the fourth noble truth, the truth of a path that leads away from suffering, the noble eightfold path. Together, the four noble truths and the noble eightfold path form an indivisible whole called the Dharma, which we can think of as the truth, the law, nature, life, reality. Dharma practice, then, asks us, invites us to live in peace and in harmony with the Dharma. Now, again, it's important to remember that our frame is grounded in suffering. So, if we're looking at truth or reality, we have to admit that suffering is a part of it. Dharma practice, then, asks us to live in peace with the truth of our own suffering. It invites us to open to it. It asks us to be interested in it so we can understand its causes and conditions so we can see how it arises and how we so often collapse into it. Practice the Dharma and see for yourself the power of this direct understanding 
has to transform your suffering. Let your suffering unfold into a free, open, and creative expression of love, joy, peace, and compassion. Okay, well, enough preamble. So what's the practice? Well, it's divided into three arenas of training. First, a training in wisdom. Second, a training in ethics. And third, a training of the mind. Today, we're going to discuss the first of these three arenas, wisdom. Wisdom training in the Buddhist framework consists of two components. First, the cultivation of a worldview or an understanding that is based in truth or reality. And second, the cultivation of thoughts that align with this worldview or understanding. Today, I'm only going to talk about the first, since in this little bit, there's already way too much to chew on and digest. Everything, I mean everything, unfolds from understanding. What we believe to be true shapes everything. It shapes how we think. It shapes how we talk and act. It even shapes how we experience the world. The entire path, then, begins here with our worldview. It begins by seeking to understand ourselves, the world, and our place in it. This worldview is what orients us and sets our direction on the path. In his own pursuit of understanding, the Buddha held two worldviews, or what you can think of as two sets of lenses, which he wore like bifocals to look at the world. He called these two lenses, or worldviews, one, the worldly or relative view, and two, the ultimate view. And of course, as always, the Buddha doesn't ask you to take these worldviews on authority. He invites you to explore them for yourself. With the worldly view, the Buddha explored the Hindu notion of karma and noticed that actions not only have internal and external consequences, but that the seeds of these karmic results lie in the intention and motivation at the root of our actions. When our intentions are motivated by generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom, the karmic result is a sense of ease, peace, happiness, and love. When our intentions are motivated by greed, hatred, and delusion, the karmic result is dis-ease, agitation, discontent, and suffering. Again, this isn't something to take on dogma, but rather it's an invitation to know this through your own direct investigation. Now, what's cool here is that when we put this understanding into practice, we gain a kind of creative freedom in our lives. When we realize that our intentions and motivations shape how our inner lives unfold, 
We can begin to paint our own lives. We can take responsibility for our own well-being. This, of course, is its own practice, a practice that lasts a lifetime. But each step you take here will move you in the direction of ease, peace, happiness, and love. Your life will continue to climb upward. And what's more is that this worldview or understanding of karma in your own personal life will eventually become a bridge into the Buddha's next worldview, the ultimate view. Once your heart and mind have softened and opened through the practice of goodwill, a remarkable sense of peace will sprout from within. And as a consequence of this peace, your mind becomes more focused, becomes brighter and more vivid, which then allows you to look more deeply at the Dharma. It allows you to look more closely at the nature of your own mind. Once you cross this bridge, your eyes of wisdom will open. You will get a glimpse of what is referred to as the highest peace, true freedom, or liberation. With the ultimate view, the Buddha looked beyond himself. He looked beyond the chain of karma, beyond the relative world, beyond the world of concepts, until he penetrated the ultimate nature of reality itself. Here, he realized there exists only a seamless, interconnected world of constant change. And what's more is that in a world of constant change, there is nothing that can reliably be called self. The world is entirely whole. When we look closely at experience, we can witness directly for ourselves this undivided whole. We can see, feel, and know that everything is in constant flux, seamlessly connected. We too can witness that there is nothing stable enough to be called self. We can see that the appearance of things is just that, an appearance that arises when awareness collapses into thought. But when we step back, when we orient from that which is aware of thought, when we orient from that space which is prior to it, which holds it, we can see that thoughts are arising, changing, and being known in and as awareness which is wide open, formless, boundless, and free. When we examine the nature of thought, we can understand that thoughts are what break the world into pieces and relate them to one another. But outside of thought, there exists no boundaries or separations anywhere. Outside of thought, there are no lines that divide the earth into states 
nations, and countries. Outside of thought, there's no good and evil, no right and wrong, no pleasant and unpleasant. Outside of thought, there's no up and down, no left and right, no backward and forward. There's no space and time, no objects and things, no self and other. There is only the world, a seamless and interconnected whole. There's just it, whatever it ineffably is. Look closely at the nature of thought and witness directly for yourself that each thought is nothing more than a passing cloud of energy in the mind. Look past thought and realize that you are not and cannot be that which arises in thought. Look directly at your own mind and know for yourself that you are entirely open and free. You are already at peace. The Buddha's ultimate view invites us to ground ourselves in this truth, to live from the direct understanding of impermanence, selflessness, and wholeness or oneness, interconnectedness. This is where true transformation happens, by witnessing directly, again and again, the impermanent, selfless, interconnected nature of reality. This is seeing and living with wisdom. And it is this, the eye of wisdom, that leads to the liberation of suffering or dis-ease. It is that that brings about a fundamental shift in our moment-to-moment perception. It is this that allows us to become living expressions of love, joy, compassion, and peace. Because in the beginning, we only get glimpses of this awakening, because we so easily fall back into our old habits and beliefs, we need to cultivate this awakening gradually. We still need to practice holding this awakening steady and continuous for longer and longer periods of time. This isn't a conceptual practice. You can't just understand this conceptually and expect your life, your world, your being to change. True freedom lies in cutting through the illusion of self. With devotion, practice, and patience, may you embody the deepest peace. Until next time.